At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. This is the Chicago City Cast with Danny Burke, presented by Bet Rivers. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to it. Time for another edition of the Chicago City Cast presented by Bet Rivers. Thank you for being with us. Danny Burke, your host here as always. Remember, you can follow along on Twitter at Danny Burke 5. Plenty to discuss on this episode. Apologies for not having one posted yesterday. Always have one on Monday, kind of recapping the weekend and whatnot. But I was out of town. I was down in Houston for a wedding. Had a great time. Good weather, very humid, but it was nice to get it up in the 80s. Had a lot of fun, and, you know, it's classic for me to travel out of Chicago when it's kind of crap weather for a majority of the time that I'm here, and then the one week and I leave, you get 70s and sunshine and a Cubs win 21-0 or whatever the hell it was against the Pirates. Granted, the Pirates did take three out of four, so that was one of the ugliest things we saw. But then we also had the Bulls games that we saw, and I was flying on Friday night, And I was able to stream the game for the most part. And I paid for the Wi-Fi. I'm like, why the hell did I pay for this Wi-Fi to see the Bulls have their worst game of the year? And then we're getting ready for the the wedding on Sunday. And I'm watching it as I'm getting ready. And I'm just like, this is the same thing over and over again. It's just embarrassing. It's terrible. It's pathetic. It's Bulls basketball in 2022. You know this. We all knew this. We got excited for a second. You're proud of them for a night for less than 24 hours, pretty much. And then they just continued to do Bulls things. So I'm back in the mix. We've got that Bulls series to still talk about. I will recap briefly the past two games from the weekend, how we're looking with our series bet, because at least that's the pro out of this, right? The con is you're a Bulls fan. The pro is hopefully you followed along and bet Milwaukee in some capacity. 
And aside from that, we've got lines for tomorrow's game. I've got a bet in the White Sox game tonight. And we've got the Cubbies playing as well. And we'll get plenty of NFL draft coverage here on the show. But even furthermore, on my program, Rush Hour, which again, you can get a hold of Monday through Friday, 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time, broadcasting live out of the Bet Rivers Sportsbook. But you can tune in on the Marquee Sports Network, Fubo TV, Sling TV, or the Xfinity app, or YouTube TV, iHeartRadio. So wherever you get your podcasts, and actually VEASAN.com or the VEASAN app. So let's get into it with some baseball action here. The Cubbies going to Atlanta to take on the Braves. Not really a favorable time to see the Cubs take on one of the top teams. Although, I will be honest, I'm, I'm not incredibly high on this Atlanta squad. But still, you know, I'm pretty much higher on any team than the Cubs at this point after, after their whole debacle this past weekend against Pittsburgh. I mean, you know, you, you get a damn gift by being in the same division as the Pirates. And then you get them at home and you only win one game and you lose the first two. And that's brutal enough, right? Then you go out and you win by three touchdowns, which is incredible. Awesome. For a second, you're like, you know what? That makes up for the two losses. It really doesn't in the win column. But in terms of just where your mental and your psyche's at, it makes up for it. And then you go out there and lose again the next day. I mean... Testament to the Pirates, I mean, you know, more props to him for bouncing back and winning 4-3 to three afterward. But my God, this is pathetic now for the Cubs. We got too excited too early. Or maybe the issue is, just like everywhere else in baseball, really, the offense has struggled in considering this Cubs team is a contact team, not a power team. They're just not producing enough runs. I mean, you know the pitching is going to have issues. That was inevitable from the start. That's why nobody really expected too much out of this Cubs team. That, along with many other reasons. You could question David Ross and some of his managerial moves, for sure. There's a lot that could go wrong. And I'm not going to go too deep into the games, because again, I was out on vacation and didn't get to watch him very intimately. But, you know, just checking the scores and seeing the complaints from my friends and just scrolling Twitter, all those things. I mean, it's just what you expect when a Cubs team is disappointing. It's nothing new. It really isn't. But can they bounce back in this series against Atlanta? Can they bounce back tonight against the Braves, who also are only at seven wins? So the Braves are 7-10. and 10. They're 4-6 and six at home. The Cubbies come into this matchup 7-9, and 3-3 three and three on the road. Marcus Stroman getting another chance to finally get his first dub as a Chicago Cub. He's taking on Max Freed, the Southpaw. Terrible draw because, well, we know how great Max Freed can be. Max Freed this season in the win-loss column, not great, but again, it's early and not always his fault. He's 1-2. and two. He's gone 18 innings pitched, ERA of 3.5, 2.39 XFIP, which is stellar, 0% home run to fly ball ratio, so he hasn't given up any jacks. Ground ball rate, 53%, meaning 53% of the balls in play are grounders, which is fantastic. And he's got a 1.0 whip. And 27%, only 27% of his hits are classified as hard hit. Great numbers all around from the southpaw. Now what about Marcus Stroman? We know that he hasn't had really too good of his prior outings, but what's showing up on the stat sheet? Well, again, he's 0-2 in three games started. The first game, I'm still salty. David Ross took him out early. Cubs lost on one of the Brewers ever since. It's been bad mojo, Rossi. 13.1 innings pitched for Stroman. 8.78 ERA. Blah, 
gross, right? Disgusting. Well, like we said, you don't want to over-exaggerate with the ERA because it's not really a true indication of what to expect out of a pitcher. That's not to say Stroman's been great, but he's not as bad as an 8.78 ERA. More so, he's where his XFIP is at. And his XFIP is 3.31, which is very, very solid. And his whip, well, yeah, that's concerning, 1.65. Remember, one of those games was at Coors Field, so that clearly didn't help. And if you want to look at some of the other advanced metrics, we talked about Max Fried and his home run to fly ball ratio was 0%. Uh, Stroman's at 30%. Not good. You want that to more so be at about 10% on average for a pitcher. Okay. And 50% ground ball rate for Stroman. So that's solid. Very solid. Left on base percentage of 45%. That's terrible. Like that's actually awful. You need that to be in the 70s and 80s, okay? He's in 45%. His Babbitt, batting average of balls in play. I'm just throwing out more uh, stats for Stroman since we're familiar with him, and everybody sees his name and wants to gear up to bet him, but let's just understand where he's at. So his Babbitt, meaning batting average of balls in play. League average is 300 flat, okay? He's at 333, so not good, right? He's below average. Now, we talked about Max Freed, and... The amount of balls that are hit hard, 27% really good. Well, for Stroman, only 26% of his balls are hit hard. So, again, that's really solid. And last season against Atlanta, he went up, he went up against them one time, allowed eight hits and just two earned runs. So, not a bad outing. Freed did not face the Cubbies last year. So, pitching matchup, you give the advantage to Freed just because, let's be honest, he is a better pitcher. He's a southpaw. You got him at home right now if you're Atlanta. Stroman's still trying to find his groove a little bit. Again, he had it in the first game versus Milwaukee. Okay, only gave up one run. Coors Field did him dirty, five earned runs. Then he gave up seven versus Tampa Bay. I mean, I don't know what the hell went wrong. It was 420, so maybe he was smoking a little something before he took the bump. But who knows? I don't know, man. I mean, Marcus Stroman, you got to find your groove, man. He came over here to be a premier pitcher, and it hasn't shown up yet. It's early. I get it. We're still in April somehow. It seems like we've been in April forever. But you got to get it done before we get out of this month, hopefully. And this could be your opportunity. Again, this Braves team, in my opinion, is a tad bit overvalued in the market. You still got the World Series hanging on them. I mean, Acuna's not playing, right? Let me double check on that. But aside from Acuna, you know, you obviously lost Freddie Freeman. And you really just have not had that good of an offense. Nor have you had a good bullpen either. Now, we'll get to that in just a second. But yeah, let me... Yeah, so Acuna has not been back yet. Let's see when his target is. And May 6th looks like the return date that's been projected. So, yeah, I knew it was a little bit. Couldn't remember exactly. So, uh, he's been rehabbing in AAA Gwinnett. 5 for 14 with a double and three stolen bases. Not that we care too much. But, look, even if Acuna is back in the mix, is that going to make a difference? Yes, over the long course of things, but not for one individual game. Nevertheless, Cubs ain't going to see him. Atlanta, though, they opened as a minus 185 favorite. Seems excessive, right? Cubbies plus 155, total is at 8. Now, this isn't even me as a diehard Cubs fan speaking because the Cubs just lost 3 out of 4 to Pittsburgh. That is, again, just terrible in every single facet you could imagine. But the Braves, conversely, just lost 2 out of 3 versus the Marlins. I'm telling you, this Atlanta team is not the team of last year. Not even close, I don't believe. And the market is agreeing with me because now, after the minus 185 open... You've seen it come down in favor of the Cubbies. And look, I'm not saying 
that the Cubbies are guaranteed to win, and I'm going to bet them. But when you're looking at a price of Atlanta minus 185, folks, you're telling me you're rushing to lay that much with this Brave squad? Hell no. I don't care who's pitching. I don't care who they're playing. No chance. This is just a price bet or lack thereof because of that number. So now at Bet Rivers, you're seeing at minus 167. Again, I'm recording this at about 10 a.m. on Tuesday. Cubbies now plus 143. If you want to take the run in the hook with the Cubs, minus 152 is the juice. If you want to lay the run line with Atlanta and you don't want to lay the minus 167, and if you believe they can win and it's going to be by more than one, well, you're getting plus 123 with the Braves. Totals at eight, open date, a little bit of juice to the under, minus 113. Over is minus 106. Again, two big-name pitchers, so to speak. You expect good things out of them, at least Max Freed. I don't know what to do with Stroman right now. I really don't. So if we had some consistency and we were seeing more so of Stroman's first start with the Cubs, then I would go, hey, there's some value here with Chicago. And the market's still showing it regardless, but I'm not eager to bet this game. This is going to be a good reset for the Cubs not playing yesterday. Okay, you got out of playing stinky Pittsburgh who made you look like a crap team, speaking of stink. But time to show up against Atlanta. You're more than capable of beating a team like this. Let's see if they can put it out there. And let's see if Stroman can put together a good outing. This is going to be a fun one to watch because of that pitching matchup in hell. Let's hope the Cubs make it a fun one to watch just from a fan perspective. I mean, look at the batting splits. Oddly enough, the Cubs, you know, six games on the road, I believe is what it was. They've got an 845 OPS on the road. Granted, Coors Field helps, but still. And they hit 743 OPS-wise versus Southpaws. Now Atlanta, on the road, have an OPS of 688. I'm saying that because I'm showing you the splits. At home, Atlanta's hitting better. 745 OPS. While they're going against Stroman, he's a righty. They're hitting 710 OPS-wise against righties. Again, Southpaws, Atlanta's been a little bit better, actually. 755 OPS. All right, well, is there an advantage one way or the other? I mean, if the Cubs can keep up their 845 OPS on the road, then absolutely the nod goes to the Cubbies. But again, context matters. Coors Field helped. What about the bullpen? I've been preaching about concerns and issues with this Cubs bullpen. And honestly, looking at the numbers, it's not bad at all. I still just don't fully trust them. But the Cubs are doing really solid. I mean, 2.54 ERA for their bullpen collectively. And a whip of 1.13. Again, really good numbers. Atlanta, 4.38 ERA. No bueno. And a whip of 1.26. Yeah, that's fine. So maybe it's not as bad as it seems for Atlanta's bullpen. But the Cubs statistically have had a better bullpen. Slightly better hitting in this exact situation. Maybe everybody's quick to fade Stroman and quick to back Freed, being the public. And you're seeing the sharper attention at least immediately go toward the Cubbies. They think, ah, they just lost three out of four versus Pittsburgh. And they can't go on the road and beat the defending World Series champs. I mean, I know the Braves just lost two out of three, but they're due, baby. Come on. That's absolutely the thinking of a lot of people. And it doesn't mean they're wrong. But it doesn't mean that's going to convince me to lay minus 167 with Atlanta. So it's a pass for me. Total, even with the, I mean, honestly... You know, are you going to get production out of the Cubs? Yeah, they scored 21 the other day, but then what did they do? Scored three the next day. I I don't know what to do with any of these things. Again, I think you sit back, 
and you watch it as a fan. If you see any good approach from in-game, sure. I don't know. I think in-game baseball is a little bit tougher because it's such just a fluky sport with so many games that you can't really rely on someone to step up as consistently or the rhythm of a team to come through like in football or basketball where it's a lot more reliant. Like when a team's down, but you know they're clearly the better team, you can back that team and get a good number, and they'll come back and make a run. That's basketball. Same thing with football. I mean, Brady, if he's trailing, heck, I'll bet that. Mahomes, if he's trailing, a lot of times, heck, I'll bet that. Look, it's a good opportunity. With baseball, well, it comes down to a lot of different factors. Weather. Lineup order. Who's pitching for both teams? And again, you can't rely on something to at least make it closer come back every game like you can in football and basketball again that doesn't mean they're guaranteed to win but they at least will make it interesting baseball's tough though because again it's such a long exhausting season you're not going to get that every game so in game for me is not the most favorable for baseball it doesn't mean it's bad it doesn't mean you shouldn't do it it doesn't mean i don't think it could be viable i'm just not searching for it as much like, if I'm at a Cubs game and I haven't bet it, I mean, typically I do. I get involved in some capacity. It's almost an obligation, right? But if I want to jump in on something, then I will, sure, because I'm at the game. But I'm not going to go out of my way to seek it necessarily. If I'm betting it, if it looks like a pitcher is, you know, throwing some batting practice there, but the hitters aren't making contact necessarily, or conversely in the sense that just the pitching has been atrocious and he's not hitting the zone, you know, little things like that. Then you're like, all right, I think this other team could make a little bit of a comeback here. Or, you know, this team's making good contact. They're just hitting them in the wrong spots. Hey, maybe they get more runs. You know, you bet it with that kind of outlook. But I, again, I'm not too eager to get involved with this Cubs and Braves team. However, will be a good one to watch because of the pitching matchup and two teams that probably should be playing better than they are in the record column. But that's what I'm looking at for the Cubs and the Braves. Let me tell you what I got for the Royals and the White Sox, however. I do have a bet in this game. Now, let's set the stage a little bit. So the Cubbies, or excuse me, the Cubbies, because I wrote down Chicago Cubs, should be Chicago White Sox. The White Sox opened up minus 145. The Royals, who they're taking on in this series, at guaranteed rate field, they opened up as a plus 125 underdog, okay? Now it's at White Sox minus 150, Royals plus 130. Run line with Kansas City. If you want to take the run in the hook, it's minus 162. If you think the White Sox can win by two or more, their run line price is plus 128. Total open 8.5. Still at 8.5. Shaded to the over minus 120. Under is even money. More on the total in a second. So the Royals, they've lost four in a row. They just got swept at Seattle by the Mariners. The Sox, well, they've been terrible. Even worse than the Cubs. They've lost seven in a row. They got swept by the Guardians and the Twins in consecutive series. How the hell do you do that? And it's not going to get better for the White Sox. You know why? You got Dallas Keuchel on the mound. Automatic fade. Yes, that is typically what we're looking at for Dallas Keuchel. The Southpaw is 1-1 one one this season. And he's only pitched six innings. But he's got an ERA of 15 flat. Danny, you don't take ERA into account. You said it yourself. You're right. You're right. When it comes to Stroman, a guy that's proven he's a good pitcher, we can say that. But with Keuchel, a guy that struggled last year, looked terrible in his last outing against the lowly Guardians, which I was waiting two damn days to make that first five bet on Shane Bieber against Keuchel, and it finally came through and paid dividends. You look at Keuchel to fade despite what his other numbers may be telling you, which his ex-bip is saying he's at three flat. 
Remember the first game, what? That was a rainy game, okay? And it got postponed, so he barely pitched. And then a true outing on the road where he does even worse was abysmal against the Guardians. 40% home run to fly ball ratio. 467 Babbitt, batting average of balls and plays. Folks, you realize how terrible that is? League average, 300. 467 is where his Babbitt is at. Whip, league average, 1.30. His, 2.83. If you're in like the 1.5s, that's like a red flag for me, let alone 2.83. Now, you want to hear something even worse? Because we talk about Keuchel. He's been bad. He's been even worse on the road, right? So you might think, all right, well, I don't necessarily want to fade him in this game because he's at home. And, you know, Kansas City's thrown out Daniel Lynch. He's a southpaw, and he hasn't been great. He's pitched two games, 10, point, or, uh, 10 innings pitched, excuse me, 5.40 ERA. 4.52 XFIP. So again, his ERA is actually kind of on par for what his XFIP is, which again is 4.52. So you really can't trust Daniel Lynch. And plus 39.5% of his hits are classified as hard hit. Again, that's higher than you want it to be. Not terrible, but not great. So you may be thinking, all right, Danny, well, I don't necessarily trust Daniel Lynch and I get Keuchel's been bad. So what do I do? Well, again, let me tell you something about Keuchel. Last year versus Kansas City, 0-3, 6.60 ERA, 15 innings pitched, allowed 16 hits, 11 earned runs. Think what you want about the Royals, but they had a batting average of 276 as a collective unit against Dallas Keuchel. So it's not that he's been bad in general, which he has, but he's been really bad against Kansas City. Now, Daniel Lynch has not been great against the White Sox either. Last year was 1-2, and 16.20 ERA. <laughs> These guys are terrible. 8.1 innings pitched, allowed 16 hits. Holy cow. 15 earned runs, 4-10 opponent batting average did the White Sox have against Lynch. Ding, ding, ding. Lefty, ding, ding, ding. The White Sox crush Southpaws, okay? We know this. 849 OPS versus lefties this year. For reference, they're hitting 559 against righties. Now, typically, yeah, the White Sox, if it's a lefty, you're like, oh, I got to bet Chicago. And you're not wrong. You are not wrong. But their lineup's a little hurt, remember? And you still got to rely on Keuchel, you know, carrying you through the first five. Hopefully, you can even at least get that far. By the way, the White Sox are hitting, obviously, hasn't been great. At home, 581 OPS. Yeesh. 635 on the road, but again, the bright spot is against lefties. They got an 850 OPS. Now, Kansas City's hitting a lot better on the road, 720 OPS, as opposed to at home where it's 556. But the good news is, Kansas City, 552 OPS versus lefties. That's really, really, really bad. They're not even that much better against righties, 618 OPS. So you have a southpaw advantage to Chicago, but you have a disadvantage with Keuchel. The Sox right now are minus 150. The Royals plus 130. So what is this adding up to? Well, you got to think it's adding up to a higher scoring game, right? Despite the bad hitting, while the White Sox do thrive against lefties, the Royals thrive clearly against Keuchel and a little bit better on the road, okay? And if you look at the bullpen splits, Kansas City's bullpen hasn't been great. 4.11 ERA, 1.37 whip. Chicago's got a 3.74 bullpen ERA and a whip of 1.35. 
So even as bad as their starters are, you can't really rely on their bullpens. I took this total at 8.5 last night while I was waiting in the airport. Flight was almost getting delayed. And I bet it over 8.5. It's still at 8.5. But again, you got to lay a little bit of juice to the over, minus 120. But I think this thing's going to get up to 9. I saw one or two books out in Vegas that had it at 9. Should be coming there soon. So jumping on this total over 8.5, I think that's the right play. Sox have gone over this total the past two games, 6-4 to four final and 10 most recently, 9-2 to two the one prior. Royals have also went over this the past two games, 5-4 to four most recently, final and 12, and 13-7 to seven the game prior. So remember, when you do totals, if you're betting an under, look to bet the first five because you don't want to trust the bullpen and the extra innings rule with the guy in second kills you. Okay, if you're doing overs, go the full course of the game, in my opinion, because of that exactly. You get the added bonus of the wonky bullpens and the runner starting on second if it goes to extras. So I am betting the White Sox and the Royals to go over eight and a half total runs. That's my best bet for the Chicago baseball games tonight. If I got more baseball action again, I'll be discussing it on Rush Hour tonight, 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time. We've got plenty of good games to look forward to. And really quick, before we get off the topic of baseball, like I was saying, I was in Houston. It was awesome down there because we checked out Minute Maid Park, and it was so easy to just go through the stadium. They did like $10 quick tours, like they called a minute-by-minute tour, and they took you down to the field, so I got to go on the field and check out the stadium. It, it always seemed like one of the coolest stadiums to look at just because of the train tracks and how it was an old train station, and it really was gorgeous. It was awesome. Amazing experience, really cool to get down there. So if you're ever in Houston, highly recommend just checking out Minute Maid really quick if they have an off day or a game on the road because they were playing uh, at Texas against the Rangers, I believe. You know, do a quick tour. It was only 10 bucks. Great experience. So really fun time down there. Again, apologies for not having a show yesterday, but we got plenty of Chicago action tonight with the Cubs and the Sox. And we have the Bulls to look for, well, maybe not look forward to, but we have a basketball game for Chicago sports team to gear up for manana. So let's take a quick break. I'll give you my thoughts on the past two games over the weekend by the Bulls, and then we'll look forward to what's going to come tomorrow for the Bulls and the Bucks, and maybe the final game in this series. Coming next, it is the Chicago CityCast, presented by Bet Rivers. Bet Rivers gives you more reasons to root, root, root for the home team with a 20% profit boost on all MLB games. Log on today and place your bets on the money line, point spread, or who will hit the long ball, and you will earn a 20% profit boost on any baseball game. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Peanuts and hot dogs not included. Log on to BetRivers.com or download the BetRivers app and place your bets. Not valid for any participant of the Illinois Gaming Board statewide voluntary self-exclusion program. Must be 21 years of age or older. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. That's 1-800-426-2537. Okay, I guess we gotta talk about it, folks. The Chicago Bulls still have one more game to prove that, hey, maybe they could do something against this Milwaukee Bucks team, but by all things you have encountered as a Bulls fan, as an NBA fan, as just a viewer in general, there is no shot in hell, to put it plainly, that the Bulls can get a win against this Bucks team. Now look, I, among many other Bulls fans, were incredibly excited to see Chicago win that game too. And based on the fact that they won that, they were competitive, they held the lead, they didn't blow it, they were competitive in game one, I figured, hey, 
with the momentum going to game three, Chris Middleton being out, I didn't think per se that they would absolutely win, but I thought that it would be another competitive game. But Milwaukee responded, which a lot of people, including myself, thought they would do in game two. And we talked about the fallen star fallacy or theory, whatever you want to call it more so, with Middleton being out, the team responds. And they did just that. But again, you know, the Bulls playing tough in game one is not too surprising for a game or a team to struggle in the first game after having dominance the whole season and still win. Like, that happens a lot. We talked about this. But for the Bulls to come back in game two and be competitive, that was shocking. And then win, of course, was astounding, right? So the fact that they were able to do a back-to-back games when they couldn't even do it once during the regular season, you're like, okay, maybe this is a little bit of a new-look team. They can at least keep it close. Didn't do it. Not even, like, the worst game of all time in Game 3. I genuinely felt bad as I was watching this on a plane. I'm like, I couldn't imagine having paid for this ticket and seeing the outcome here. I honestly feel like the Bulls organization or the players, whoever you want it to be, should refund those fans. That was the worst basketball game I think I have ever witnessed a Bulls team play. And it was in the playoffs at the just one against the Bucks. Your first home playoff game in that long, that was the most embarrassing Bulls game I think I might have ever seen. Am I wrong? Show me where I'm wrong. Because, yeah, there's been terrible games, but with terrible teams that had no expectations. And not that we were holding the Bulls to high expectations at this point because of how bad they stunk against top teams. But you make it close for two games in Milwaukee and, heck, even win one of them. They lose their second best player and you drop an absolute dud. The worst game I have seen from the Bulls in quite some time. That was disgusting. I mean, come on. 111 to 81. What, you were down like 40 at one point? The Bucs made 15 three-pointers. They only got to the free throw line 10 times. Guess what? You got there six times. They almost shot 50% from the floor. Like, just absolutely pathetic. Grayson Allen goes off 22 points, 8 of 12 from the floor, 5 of 7 from deep. Giannis only had 18. Portis had it. You knew Portis was going to kill you. That's just freaking classic with a past Chicago sports player come back and coming back to haunt you, especially after he got knocked out in game two, which, of course, is the main reason they won the Bulls. And for Chicago, oh, Vooch, 19 points. Sick. Only six rebounds. Levine, 15 points, five rebounds, five. Is it. DeRozan, 11 points. What the hell happened to you, buddy, after dropping 41? Oh, they double teamed you? Then what happened? Patrick Williams went 0-9. All right. Caruso exited the game. Or was that the last game, I think? Yeah. Kobe White, 2-9. Oh, 1-6 from three. Vintage Kobe freaking White, folks. Oldie brand Kobe White back in the mix, ladies and gentlemen. It is Kobe White who wants to not play in the NBA anymore. He sure looks like it. It's just pathetic. I mean, the bench is really disgusting when you look at it. From an offensive standpoint, it's nothing against these guys, especially meaning Javante Green, Derek Jones Jr., and Ayo DeSumo. Like, I love them. I think they're really great players and valuable. But you can't have them all on the same team. And I was tweeting about that. They're, they're, they're literally the same player offensively. Is DeSumo, is Javante Green, is Derek Jones Jr., the difference between the Bulls and every other team, especially the Bucks, the Bucks have role players who can hit their shots. I.e., Grayson Allen coming off the bench dropping 22. 
i.e. Grayson Allen coming off the bench, dropping 27 in the last game. 6 of 7 from 3, 10 of 12 from the floor. Looking like freaking Reggie Miller out there. Unbelievable. I mean, Brooke Lopez only had two points. You lost 119 to 95. Holiday had 26. Giannis had 32. Defense disgusting. Darrell's an A, 23. Thanks for playing. Oh, Levine actually got 24 points and 13 assists. Cool, man. You hit two threes out of six. Wasn't enough. Kobe White, two points. Oh, a three from three. That's the Kobe White special, baby. You realize he's only out there to score? And he can't even score more than like six damn points. I'm not even kidding. Put me out there. You could pay me half of what he's doing. And I could do literally just the same, if not more. Anybody who's listening to this could. He is literally bringing zero value to the floor. Vooch only getting 11 and 10. Not great. Again, Caruso not getting any. Again, the issue. I love Caruso. You love Caruso. Derek Jones Jr. is fun. Javante Green is fun. We love Desumu. Chicago kid. None of those guys can score. The Bucs have even Carter, who's defensive-oriented, who can at least knock down a triple. And that's what he did in the last game. Pat Connaughton can shoot threes. Grayson Allen can shoot threes. Wesley Matthews, three-point shooter. Brooke Lopez, three-point shooter. Portis is knocking down threes. And Kobe White can't even make one. Their team is flooded with three-point shooters. Look at the Warriors, flooded with three-point shooters. The Suns, flooded with three-point shooters. Every team that is good, it's like the NFL investing in good receivers and offense. That's the NBA with three-point shooters. The Bulls have none of them. Oh, Kobe White's your three-point shooter? He's terrible. And then you have DeRozan who doesn't shoot threes. Levine who does but can't make him consistently. Patrick Williams is a big guy who's not really a three-point shooter even though he had three in the last game. 20 points, but it was garbage time points. DeRozan went 0-5. Vooch, 1-6. Caruso, 0-1. I mean, you realize how bad this team is at shooting the three ball? They went 9-36 of in the last game. The Bucs went 17-33. of Atrocious. Like, it's comical. You have the same offensive players. Javante Green, Derek Jones Jr., Alex Caruso, and Ayo DeSumo. Like, that's the same guy. Brings energy, good defense, can push it in transition, which they don't do, but that's what they bring. They can't shoot threes. They can't provide offense consistently. That takes up, what, four roster spots? Oh, but then you have Kobe White, who's supposed to be your three-point shooter. Doesn't make squat. That's five players making up your roster who can't score. Oh, then you got DeRozan, who, yeah, can't shoot threes. Yes, he could score, but he's not shooting threes. But we're not going to count that. But, like, look, this team needs a complete overhaul. They need another big guy. I'm vying for Mitchell Robinson from the Knicks, if you can keep Booch. And then you need a couple of three-point shooters. And you screwed yourself, Chicago, because you kept Kobe White around the trade deadline when his stock was relatively high. You kept him along. Who would want to touch him with a 10-foot pole? And even if someone does, you're not getting anything valuable in return. Get Cam Reddish at this point who's not getting playing time. I mean, good Lord. You need three-point shooters. You have none because you invested in energy, athleticism, and defense. Where's the defense? You're getting blown out. There is no defense right now. Folks, Lonzo Ball is not the savior to these problems. 
he's a big help, but him being back would not make a difference because, again, he's not a lethal three-point shooter. You don't get this. You don't have a three-point specialty player. Kobe White's supposed to be that. He is not that. And even if he's supposed to be that, truthfully, he's more of a mid-range guy. I mean, he's trying to be a three-point shooter. He just ain't it. You need the Kyle Korver like the Bulls used to have, right? That's the type of championship guy you need. The Heat had Ray Allen. The Warriors have everyone on their team who could shoot threes. Same with the Suns. The Heat have players too. The Celtics do. Like even Marcus Smart can hit down a three. Al Horford could shoot freaking threes. It's unbelievable. The Bulls need an overhaul. I don't know what you do with Levine. You can have your max contract discussion. I really don't care at this point. If you do it, cool. If not, I get both ways at this point. Injury prone at this point in his career. I, You know, not consistently, I guess. You don't really want to knock him for it. But what if this is a lingering issue now? And you're going to give him a max contract? And I applaud the guy. I love the guy for playing through it. I think he's great. I love playing him. I want him to be a bull. I want him to be fully healthy and to be the guy to be the leader of this team. But if they don't do it for those concerns, I, and how much can you really judge Levine on this season? I can judge him for doing step-back fadeaway threes. That's Billy Donovan's offense, too. Iso, DeRozan, try to somehow force up a mid-range. If you miss it, hopefully you get fouled. Levine, uh, just dribble till there's three seconds in the shot clock to a fadeaway three. Oh, good job, Billy Donovan. Awesome. Great offense. And yeah, a lot of it's on Billy Donovan and his lack of adjustments, but also at the same time, a lot of it's the roster because they got no guys who can hit threes. When Iodesumu is open for three, the other team is letting out a sigh of relief. Automatic miss. Love Io. He'll be a great player one day. Maybe not great, but a really good player. He's not a shooter. He's not. Not at this point. Interesting, Tristan Thompson, you guys really thought he'd make a difference? From a leader perspective, he helped this team. I'm not going to discredit that at all. But people, when they bring in Tristan Thompson, this is just how Chicago sports fans are. And that's why you got to love him. And love playing for the teams, I would imagine. Because no matter who you are, as long as you bring in a new guy, you'll be welcomed and embraced and loved immediately. But Tristan Thompson doesn't do anything. He's an undersized center. He he comes off as a bully guy and he'll give you good energy and gritty plays. But Tristan Thompson wasn't going to solve the puzzle piece of the Bulls' lack of offense. Okay? Like, come on. You needed a Jakob Pertle. You needed that type of guy at the deadline. You didn't get it. You need a three-point shooter. You need a couple of them. I mean, I don't know what the contracts are looking like or what the hell you do with DJJ, Javante Green. And, I mean, Tony Bradley's obviously useless. You got to get another big guy again. Like I'm saying, Mitchell Robinson. I know Anthony Davis is kind of a rumor, but a lot of people don't want him because of his injury. I take Anthony Davis, absolutely. I mean, yeah, if he gets injured, that's a bummer, but at least he gave it a shot. It's better than not getting anybody alongside Booch. And who knows if you have to give up Booch. I don't know what the hell happens. But you need a couple of three-point shooters. They don't have to be studs. They can be just really solid role players. The Bulls need a guy like Grayson Allen. And everybody hates him and gets mad. How about you get mad at your own team for not being able to defend him? How about you get mad at your own team for not hitting open shots? How about you get mad at your own coach for not making adjustments? Stop worrying about what the hell Grayson Allen's doing and booing him and start booing your own team that you invested hundreds, maybe thousands of dollars to go watch him in the playoffs. And I love the Bulls. You love the Bulls. We all do. And again, maybe we just shouldn't get our expectations up. And we've been saying that for a while, but it's hard not to when they won game two. 
And again, I'm not saying we expected them to win this series or win another game even. Who knows? But at least make it competitive. My goodness. But that's going to be the end of my rant. I won't spend more time on it because you know what? We have our under five and a half total games played in the series bet. And by all indications of what we've seen the past two games, hopefully we got a good chance at that coming to fruition. But it would be very Bulls to win this next game, and then I lose the bet and the Bulls still win this series. That would be classic. But as we're looking at this game, as we're looking at the opening odds, Milwaukee opened up as about a 10-point favorite, total at 218.5. Still at 10. Totals now at 220. A little bit of juice on the over at Bet Rivers, minus 112. Unders, minus 109. Money line, the Bucks, minus $5. The Bulls, plus 390. We talked about hedging opportunities. If you think the Bulls can pull this off and you have the same bet as me, under five and a half games at minus 177, you could absolutely hedge with the Bulls on the money line. Plus 390, great value. Do I think you need to? No, I don't. I really don't. If the Bulls look like that after winning a game, coming back home, getting embarrassed and having another chance to do so, I mean, you think that Milwaukee's going to stay along or stay around a little bit longer and, you know, let them in it? No. Bulls may make it fun for a second in the first half, but the Bucks will pull it out. So I'm just going to let it ride. If it looks like it's dangerous, you'll probably still get value on the Bulls, even if they're up or they're keeping it close, just because... You know, the lines aren't going to shift that dramatically. They know how big of a discrepancy the talent is on the teams. Then maybe look for an in-game hedge. But pre-flop, nah. I'm sitting this one out. I'm going to let the Bucks win and cash my under 5.5 total games in the series played ticket that we had at minus 177. We'll preview that game more extensively tomorrow with plenty of more props and bets and all that good stuff. And more NBA in general again on Rush Hour. Let me know what your thoughts are on this team. Who do you want to see be acquired? Who do you want to see leave? What do you want to see the Bulls do? What do you expect out of them? At Danny Burke 5 on Twitter, let me know. We can sulk in the sadness and complain and bitch and moan together. Again, I'm not a bull. I love this team. I love these players, most of them at least. And I love the front office. And I know Billy Donovan's a good coach. A lot of it is his lack of adjustments, and a lot of it is the lack of roster talent. That's true. Both are true. So a lot of changes need to happen. And again, I mean, from what we've seen in the past, yes, at least they're here in the playoffs and hopefully are getting in the right direction. But who knows if you can expect another great year out of DeRozan? Who knows what to expect out of Vooch? Who knows what to expect out of Levine after he rehabs his summer? Hopefully the best. But man, need to see that improvement. Need to get healthy. If Patrick Williams plays the full season, Lonzo Ball, of course, you have more hope there. But guys, you're, you're missing the point if you're thinking that too. You need a viable big guy who can play both ways. You need viable three-point shooting candidates. And AK will get those guys. I believe it. Just got to trust the process, and hopefully they get there. All right, that's going to do it for another edition of the Chicago City Cast presented by Bet Rivers. And yes, by the way, I guess I'll address it really quick. I'm in shock that Darius Garland... Well, I'm not in shock that he didn't win most proof player per se because I figured these... You know, after a while, just hearing the... The discord around it that these voters would be lazy and just give it to Morant because the odds had him as the favor and it was just the easy thing to do. It's still so ludicrous how you could be an MVP candidate at one point, be rookie of the year, you know, an all-star and a playoff team and win this award. And he didn't even want it. We told you that. He just gave it to Desmond Bain. The dude didn't want it. Fraudulent award. Come on. He didn't want it. Gave it to his teammate. Shouldn't have had it because he was an MVP candidate. 
And I'm sh I didn't even know till right now that Darius Garland didn't even get second. Apparently, DeJounte Murray got it. And you know what? I would have rather had Darius Garland lose to DeJounte Murray. An older guy did improve. That's what the award's about. But Darius Garland did too. He carried this Cavs team. The expectations weren't necessarily there for Darius Garland. This just shows you. I mean, as much as we think we have a good handle on it, and I think still at the end of the day, you know, it was a relatively good hand, uh, good value bet because the odds went as Darius Garland being second, and he did win. And some other media guys' polls, like Sports Illustrated, did one. All their writers had Darius Garland. I know some of the top guys, I think Mike Greenberg had Garland, but, man, maybe that was more the kiss of death. But, um, look, you're not going to win them all. Last year, again, you know, it's fun. You'll hit great ones like we have Thibodeau, 20 to 1 coach of the year. Randall, 20 to 1, most improved player. We miss out on Garland. At least we had our big playing game night, the 30 plus unit night to celebrate. But having Garland would have been great. And I still think it was the right idea, and you're not going to win them all. But you understand the process of it now, right? And where you can get value with some of these guys. I mean, and also Morant missed like a chunk of the last the last part of the season. It's just ridiculous. I think everybody is kind of like, what the hell? So like DeJounte Murray, if he would have won it, I would be salty because he really wasn't in the discussion for most people. But I get why he would have got it for what the award should be. Like, should Jokic have gotten most improved player for winning MVP last year? No. And that was virtually on the same path in a sense of what John Morant was doing here. Ridiculous. But, you know, Murray, an older guy, did improve from being average to really solid, for sure. Morant was already on that path. I guess he can make that argument with Garland, but definitely not the, the extent of John Morant. So, you know, I'm salty. Yes, it's a bummer. I'm sorry if you missed out on it. I thought we had a good chance. And I, a lot of people agree with me on this who I've talked to. And just even on Twitter, from what you've seen, I mean, people know it's kind of ridiculous. But that's why it's also tricky in the sense of betting these awards because you don't know what these voters are going to do. I feel like they were more focused in on the MVP, which was contentious, as opposed to giving a crap about most improved player. You know? But it's a shame. It happens. Um, hopefully we'll look to bounce back with some more awards, with some more bets. Because I think there's some good angles you could still approach with NBA Finals MVP. And a lot of other things around that category. So we'll keep our heads up. We'll keep on moving. It's a bummer. It's a shame. But it is what it is. And we'll look to keep getting some winners throughout the course of this postseason. We're getting we're getting interesting now. You know? I mean, what? We've got some of these. I mean, the Celtics beat the Nets. Everybody on my plane was going nuts about that game. I guess we had some diehard Celtics fans. And uh, the Warriors, I'm shocked they didn't sweep that game. Missed out on that play that we had on Friday. So that was a bummer. So this will be interesting to see because um, what it's going to be, you're going to get the Celtics playing the Bucks, and then the Heat probably playing the Sixers. I kind of like the Bucks against the Celtics. We'll get into that game a little bit more. Apparently that, I mean, I, I think there were some odds up that uh, the Celtics could be the favorite in that series. I guess Middleton being out is a reason why. I still, again, I'm not that high on Boston. I get it. Great defense, great everything. I just, I trust Milwaukee more. We have our tickets for them to win the finals, you know? So I kind of like them here. We'll see. But it'll be fun. We'll have more bets on it. Not only here, but of course, on Rush Hour. So make sure you tune in at Danny Burke Fire. You can follow along on Twitter. That's going to do it for another edition of the CityCast, folks. Thank you for tuning in. Best of luck with all your plays. Enjoy all the Chicago action tonight. We'll be back for the Bulls game tomorrow. And until then, take care and best of luck.